the big lesson always is you have to know your people. You have to know what your culture is and what your people bring to the table and what you need. And you should know who's sitting in front of you. When you're looking to bring more women into leadership, you have to look and see, are there any women here? Hi, welcome to the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel. I'm your host, Tarun Stevenson, and we are all about helping you lead, communicate, and grow to your full potential. Whether you're tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite podcasting app, don't forget to subscribe and follow so that you can stay up to date with all our latest episodes. All right, here's the latest episode. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody, Tarun Stevenson here, and I am here with Judy Hoberman from Selling With A Skirt, and I have had the privilege of being on your radio show about five years ago, Judy. You were very kind to allow a new budding leadership coach to uh, have a crack with your audience. And I'm so pleased to have the opportunity to return the favor to you. Welcome to the show, Judy. Thank you so much. It's been a long time, but look yes. how much you've grown. There you go. There you go. It's It's been a while, but it's great to catch up again. So yeah. why don't you, for anyone that's never met you, tell us a little bit about yourself and perhaps what's been happening with you over the last few years since we talked. So I am um, an executive coach. I am a sales trainer, a leadership trainer. I'm a speaker. I'm a radio show host and an author. And I do all the things that I do because really they're all about empowering professional women which doesn't mean I leave the men out. And I just wanna make sure that everybody understands that because one of the things that we always do is we encourage the men who champion women to show up. Because in, the, in this world, you can't do this by yourself. Male, female, young, old, doesn't matter who you are. You can't be on an island. So I always encourage the men to show up as well. Um, over the last couple of years, I think that most of the, the, my mission has always remained the same. It's always, I wanna help one woman a day and it's yeah. always about women wanting to be treated equally, not identically. But what has changed, especially over the last year, was the way that we do business. Sure. You know, there's no right now and still now you, there's no live speaking. There's no live training. There's no live anything. And so I had to redo everything that I have done before and made it virtual. Yeah. And that's a learning curve in itself. You know, I've done my coaching has always been virtual and webinars have always been virtual but it's a different kind of energy and it's a different kind of engagement and a different kind of, you know, just getting people to show up. Yeah. So it's, it's been quite interesting to say the least. Yeah, it is a challenge. And I've experienced the same challenge uh, with not being able to do live workshops and not being able to travel. Uh, just if you're used to the live interaction, being online can be quite challenging. It's not the same. It's not the same for the audience or the speaker. Uh, but it is the way that we have to all operate now. So right. uh, you you roll with it. But um, when I first talked to you a few years ago, Selling in a Skirt, you were very kind to have me on the show and I was talking about goal setting at the time. And not long after we had that conversation, I launched my coaching practice. Uh, I found that there was a real niche with uh, women who wanted to develop in their leadership and that uh I, I wasn't going after this niche, but that became my largely my clientele, uh, women who wanted to grow in their leadership. What do you think it is about leadership that has perhaps made women feel like they uh, have been left out of the conversation or um, perhaps need some additional skills to be able to work in an, in an area that has traditionally been seen as a man's domain i mean apart from the obvious of gender equity in the workplace mm -hmm. what are some mm -hmm. of the characteristics that uh, make it challenging for women in leadership a lot of times women are compared to their male counterparts because he can do this and you should be able to do that or he can you know stay to the office till 10 o'clock at night you should be able to do that and what you have to remember is that a good portion of responsibilities do still fall on the woman in the home. They, they still do. Men are have stepped up to the plate a lot more than they ever have. Growing up, you know, my father would never think of like diapering a baby or anything like that. Men are doing those things, which are great. But when, when a child gets sick or when there's a parent-teacher conference or when there's, you know, something that you have to do, the woman is usually the one that has to, to do that. 
The challenge with that is when you're in a leadership position in a company, they don't want to hear that it's, you know, it's, it's more of an excuse as opposed to it's a privilege to have children to be able to do this. And so that's one of the things. Another part of it is that sometimes you're not asked if you want a promotion for two reasons. One, they have no idea that you even want one or two, they just assume that you're going to take this. They're just going to give it to you. And then you have to figure out the rest. Either way, it's not the right way to go into leader, a leadership position. And so you have to decide, do I even want to go into leadership or how do I raise my hand or speak up and say, why can't I have that position? So yeah. I think there's a lot of different pieces of it that get jumbled together. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting you say that because I remember when I was uh, working in the corporate sector many years ago and my second child was born and, and I worked in a company that offered paternity leave as well as maternity leave. And so I, I actually applied for it. I thought if I can spend three months at home with my newborn baby and allow my wife to go back to work, which is what she needed to do, uh, why not? My manager was very alarmed. He said, no men actually you know, apply for this. This is usually right. just available for women and we wouldn't expect the men to actually want the paternity leave. We just put it out there as part of the, you know, I guess keeping everything equal. Right. Um, and so he was quite horrified that I would even want to take the time off. And in some small way, it's kind of a reverse of what you're saying is there's these real uh, stereotyped perceptions within, although we've come a long way in um, gender equality in the workplace and, and trying to open up doors for women to have those uh, leadership positions, there's still these underlying perceptions that seem to be tied more to human nature and biology uh, you know, women right. naturally tend to be the nurturers in a family setting and uh, men naturally seem to be the hunters or the protectors or the providers. And so how do we how do we work through those what seem to be almost hardwired uh, <laughs> biological traits uh, in a setting where we're trying to not be governed by that so much, but then there is that natural inclination that, sometimes comes into play? Well, a lot of it is this unconscious gender bias and it's mm. male, female. It goes both ways. Like you just said, you wanted the paternity leave and he was horrified that you would even consider doing it. Yeah. It's the same way when, you know, if I want to take off because my son is playing, you know, championship soccer game, why shouldn't I be allowed to do that? You know, as long as my work is done or whatever it is that, that has to be done. Um, What's happening over the last few years, is there are classes now, there are courses that people take about uncommon, unconscious gender bias, because people truly believe that they have no biases, and then they sit down and they go, oh, that is me. Oh, that is yeah. me. And so yeah. if you don't start to teach people the certain things with almost any kind of um, programs now, you can, you, you can actually learn about a person, a gender, a demographic, whomever, whatever it is, but you have to want to learn and you have to want to go through the course and you have to be open to be receiving what they're telling you. And a lot of people yeah. are not. They'll sit through it because it's part of their process and they have to check it off, but they don't actually sure. you know, listen to it. So there's a lot of things that are happening in corporate America where people are not being recognized for who they are or they're recognized for things that they're not. Mm. And you know, they look at a woman and they say, you should be doing this. And they look at a man and they say, you should be doing this. We went into um, a financial services company because we wanted we were building a program for them about women in sales and mm. how you recruit and how you retain women. And so we had all the managers and all the managers were men, which is nothing unusual. Sure. But we had them all in separate areas. And we asked one question because we just wanted to start with a, a common question. What does it mean to be flexible? Mm. Because a lot of people are looking for flexible hours. <clears throat> and so every single person in every single room, they hadn't talked to each other. <clears throat> Their one common goal that they said about flexibility is they won't hire somebody if they want flexibility because it means they don't want to work hard. And we were talking about women. And so the question is, because you're a female and you want flexible hours, it means you don't want to work hard. Mm. You know, so it's the same thing. It's that it's that that label that we're putting on people, yeah. you know. You talk about putting people in boxes. That's exactly what it is. Oh, you're female. You're here. You're male. You're here. You're married. You're here. Mm. You know, same thing when you when you hire a young female. It's like I don't really want to promote her because 
she's of childbearing age, so she's probably going to have a baby. So what does that mean? It means you don't want to work and it means you're never coming back. Do you have to make a choice? That, that's what it is. You have to make a choice about what, what you feel is, you know, in your best interest. Okay, so let's talk about one of the arguments that tends to come up in uh, the discussion of equality in the workplace. And that is the um, tendency that men have the ability to work longer hours, uh, mm -hmm. generally speaking, and tend to uh, do that in work environments where some would argue leadership is about meritocracy. It's not about favoring one gender over another. It's about who can get the job done. Mm -hmm. And you've got a group of men who, who can work late and a group of women who are just as capable, but perhaps don't have the ability or the inclination to work as late. Uh, where does, what do we say to people who say, well, it's just about working hard. And if you want the job, then you've just got to put in the hours. Uh, is that a valid or fair response? I don't, I, I think a lot of times it's not fair, period. doesn't matter what it is. It's just not fair. They're just making these assumptions again. Um, you know, I've had clients that have gone through that same thing where they're saying that they won't get that next level of um, a position because they can't put in 15, 18 hours a day. They just can't, they can't do it. And so um, a few of them have, went to their manager or their supervisor, their CEO and said, what if I can do the job in the hours that I'm working? Yeah. And they, you know, the, the usual response is, well, a lot of things happen after hours, you know, it's when all, you know, all the networking happens and that blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, but if I can do it and get everything done, at least give me the opportunity. And that's what you have to, you actually have to speak up and say, yeah. I can do this. Mm. And I think that that's one of the problems is that people don't speak up and they, mm -hmm. They don't take a position because they think, well, I can't do this. Nobody's asked me what I can do, but I know I can't. It's the same thing, Taryn. When when people advertise for in you know, um, you know, one of the job sites, and they'll say, master's degree preferred. Mm. They didn't say required. They didn't say yeah. anything. Just preferred. When a yeah. woman sees that, if she doesn't have a master's, she's not going to do it. Why waste yeah. your time? I'm not going to get yeah. it anyway. The man is going to see, it and he's like 60%, you know, qualified. He's like, yeah, I'm going for it. But why is that? So I, I mean, I've did some, done some work for some of the company, the bigger companies that do the job boards. And I said, if you want a master's degree, say required mm. or don't say anything yeah. because you're losing some of your best candidates because yeah. they, they know they can't fulfill that piece of it. And I think that yeah. that's some of it. You know, you have to be able to speak up and say, I don't have this, but mm. I can do this. Right. And I think that's the hard part. Okay. So let's push back on uh, perhaps people who, haven't spoken up and it's mm -hmm. not that they're not qualified, but they haven't spoken up. Um, I figured out a long time ago that you didn't necessarily have to have all the qualifications in the job ad. You just had to speak to the hiring person and ask what they were looking for. Cause a lot of the time job ads are a bunch of baloney. What they're That's asking for in the ad is not actually what they're looking for. And, right. and so I found that if I am willing to speak up, I'll get myself in rooms that I may not be qualified for. And if I can just present myself well enough, then you know, many times I've gotten jobs that uh, the job ad would have said I wasn't qualified for. Right. And then I've been willing to negotiate. So I've even negotiated higher pay packets and, and a better working conditions and said that I can't work these hours. And so, cause I'm, I'm quite particular about working long hours. I don't like doing it. I prefer to have time for my family. And so I've been able to negotiate, like you've said, uh, if I can get the job done in half the time, are you okay with that? Uh, where does the responsibility fall with the individual to actually speak up? Because I found a lot of my female clients, uh, one of the challenges that they were finding is that they just weren't willing to speak up or didn't feel right. they could speak up. Uh, is that uh, in part because uh, women uh, have a tendency to be more agreeable and more willing to go along with what's being presented to them rather than rocking the boat? Or is it on the part of the employer that should make those opportunities more available? Well, you know, uh, an employer should make opportunities available to the, the most qualified candidate, but they don't always do that either. You know, sometimes mm. that job is already taken before it's even posted. We yeah, all true. know that. Um, as far as women go, uh, a lot of women don't speak up for many reasons. One, because they don't want to seem like they're being aggressive or they're not agreeing or they're not going to, you know, they're going to 
be a problem once you hire them. They, they just don't want to do that. It's not worth it to them. But the other thing is, like, you know, when it comes to negotiating, women look at negotiations a lot different than men. There was a book, and I don't remember the name of the book, but they asked men and women, how would they associate negotiations? And the men says it's like going to a ball game. And the women said it's like root canal. Okay, because, tell me about that. Because the women feel that when they go into a negotiation uh, session with somebody, there's a winner and there's a loser. Mm. Okay, so if, if I said I need more money and you said, okay, then I'm the winner, you're the loser. Mm. As opposed to you're both winners. Because if I said I needed more money or I wanted more money and you said, okay, you're going to get me, which is what you wanted, and I'm going to get what I wanted. So we're both winners. If you would look at it as a win-win instead of a win-lose, it's a very different conversation. And I think that that is some of that's part of the reason women don't like to negotiate because they always feel like I don't, I just don't want somebody to have to lose in this. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I first when I had my uh, my one and only corporate position, one mm. and only corporate position, um, right before I I, uh, I got my contract, they had faxed. It was faxing back then. They faxed over a contract and I'm reading this whole thing and it looked really good until I looked at the bottom and the bottom didn't have my name on it. It had someone else's name on it who happened to be male. So I called the HR department and I said, I got the, you know, the agreement and I just want to let you know that I got someone else's. And they said, that's impossible. And I said, well, here's whose name's on it. And they, you know, so it was very quiet. And she said, oh, just a mistake. Let me get you this one. Just please destroy it. So I didn't destroy it so quickly. But um, yeah, I just wanted to see. And it was the same exact contract until it got to the salary. And it was $20,000 less. Wow. Less. Mm -hmm. And so I called back and she said, what? just like that. And I said, well, I think there's another mistake. It must be a typo. And she said, I don't think so. Your name is on it. And I said, yes, my name is on it, but it's $20,000 less. And it was absolute silence. Like she couldn't even breathe. And she said, it was definitely a typo because she knew that had I not seen it at either way, I mean, it was a good salary anyway, but Mm. because I saw it that now they had to pay me that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of the negotiation. I didn't have to call. I could have just said, okay, you know, it was a mistake or whatever, or not even read it or whatever. But I thought this doesn't even make sense to me. It doesn't even make sense. And that's one of the first times I actually saw how it is not, you know, always what you think it is. It isn't. They really wanted me. I was going to be this great person, but they didn't want me enough. Mm. You know what I mean? I did get, I did take the position. I didn't stay for very long because it was very toxic which I should have realized in the very beginning. Sure. But but that's what happens. You don't want to go into that position thinking, oh, so now I, the HR is going to see me and she's going to roll her eyes at me because now I made a fuss and she's going to think I'm a troublemaker. It, it all went through my mind, the whole yeah, thing. Right. But that's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah. Okay, so give us some tips on negotiation for people who perhaps don't feel uh, assertive enough or perhaps they're very agreeable in their personality traits. And so they find it difficult to ask for things that they know they want or they deserve. Uh, What are some basic tips that will help them to one negotiate? And then how do you handle the backlash afterwards? Because I mean, I've been in situations where I've negotiated better wages than my counterparts, and then they've been dirty on me when they found out. And Mm -hmm. so how do you deal with that after the fact as well? Well, that's a hard one. I don't know if anybody, if there's a rule book for that. I think that people just have to, maybe that person should have spoken up. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, I mean, I know in, in the States, you're not allowed to talk about your salary at no. all. Nobody's mm. allowed to talk about it because that's what happens. But as far as negotiations, first of all, you have to know what it is that you want and why do you want it? And, you know, be really intentional about what you're asking for. Sometimes they say, ask for two things because they're gonna say no on one, always. So if you want money and you want vacation, which one do you want more? Because you're probably not gonna get both. So you ask for both, okay? So that's one way of doing it. The other way is, I mean, you can still ask for both. Um, The other piece is you wanna make sure that you go into it in the right way. You go into it knowing that it's not win-lose, that it is a win-win situation. They, Mm -hmm. They want you to be promoted to this position because, and you have to be able to say that out loud to them. 
if, if you promote me to this position, your team is going to be able to do X, Y, and Z because of my experience. And I will be able to do X, Y, and Z with your team. So you have yeah. to be able to have the, the real conversations. Mm. And then also think about how uncomfortable it is for the other person. Because it isn't, it isn't easy for the other person to be negotiating either. They don't yeah. want to do it. They just want you to say, okay, sign here. They don't want to do it. So just, you know, like it's almost like walk in their shoes and see what they're thinking because it is, it is a conversation and mm. don't always expect it to go the way you want it to. Cause it's not going to, even if you're no. prepared, even if you go into it the right way, just be prepared that maybe this isn't where you should be. You know, you have sure. to, you have to be open for not getting what you want, you know, yeah. and then you make, then you have to make the decision. Do I really want to be here? Mm. So, but I, I mean, I always go in unprepared. I just want to be prepared. How important is it to build your credibility and value before perhaps trying to negotiate? Uh, we, we live in a world that seems to be more and more pushing for, um, what's the right word? Um, like we, we hire people because of because they fit into a particular demographic rather yeah. than they necessarily have the skill. Um, and I can see the value in that to a point, but then when do we shortchange ourselves by hiring for the uh, affirmative action? That's what I was looking for. When do we, when do we shortchange ourselves by hiring someone to meet a quota? You know, you hear corporations say we want to have 50% women in leadership by the end of the year. Uh, what if 50% of leaders, women leaders are not at the same standard as the pool is offering? Is there a point where that becomes counterproductive to the organization? It does. And, and it also goes, it extends beyond the corporation itself because people start to look in and they say, oh, so you've got 50% of your women, but your women are, are leaving. They're leaving faster than they're staying. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it's a very difficult, very touchy situation. A lot of people have to hire to meet that quota. You should never mm -hmm. have a quota. You shouldn't have a quota. You should yeah. be able to say, I need to hire X amount of candidates this year and you know you can you can't go out and say i want to hire women you can't go out and say i want to hire you know uh, millennials you can't you can't do that you can't do it but you have to be able to put yourself in situations where you can find the people that you want sure. but they have to be qualified mm. the worst thing you can do and we see it all the time now are people getting into these high level positions because they are who they what they are as opposed to mm. who they are yeah um the other part is you know it, people are looking to see what kind of social presence you have. So don't be surprised when, you know, an HR or a recruiting firm or whatever are checking you out on LinkedIn and all your social media to see what, what your reach is and what you bring to the table. But you sure. also have to be careful because they are looking at what you don't do well. And so yeah. they can hold that against you and say, well, you know, I was going to hire you, but I saw that you were doing this and this and this, and you shouldn't have been doing that. Hmm. And it's the same thing with, you know, kids coming out of school you know, or kids going into college. Kids have lost their high, their college scholarships because of Facebook. Because yeah. they look at Facebook and they see what they're doing. But I, I, I don't believe that there should be a quota. I do believe they should be open to more than just hiring themselves. You yeah. go into many corporations and it's the same person. The whole right. leadership team is yeah. the same person. The only thing different is their tie. Yeah. And it's all the same. So I do believe that you have to be able to be open to possibilities. Yeah. The, the big lesson always is you have to know your people. You have to know mm. what your culture is and what your people bring to the table and what you need. And you should know who's sitting in front of you. When you're yeah. looking to bring more women into leadership, you have to look and see, are there any women here mm. that I should be talking to instead of going above and say, hey, John, hey, Joe, there's a position, we're gonna push you up. Yeah. So you have to know your people. And a lot of times the people in charge do not know who's right in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that um, <clears throat> one of the, the things that I've employed with the organization I lead is I've looked at what skills I lack and I've tried to hire around that. And what I find is I, I tend to get a greater diversity because of it. So my youngest mm -hmm. uh, employees are 18. My oldest is in his 70s and I've got women, I've got men, but it's not ever been about gender. It's more been about, okay, who's the best person to 
to do digital media, I know a young person's going to be best for that. And so I've, I've intentionally sought out a young person who's the best for, you know, giving me advice on my board and helping me to navigate problems. Well, I'm looking for someone more experienced, seasoned, who's been in the industry a long time. And so I'm, I'm finding that I get great, greater diversity when I look to fill what I can't do rather than just trying to, as you say, create a replica of myself. Is that a, a reasonable way to approach things or are we still leaving people out when we do it like that? Well, I think it's a great way to do it. And I think you should write a book on it because that is a great way to bring a lot of different diversity into a company. It really is. Sure. One of the things I do find is that um, a lot of times people are threatened by who you're looking to bring in. For yeah. instance, when you said you're looking for somebody that would have experience on a board, so you're looking for somebody older, mm. a lot of times when you bring somebody older in and you're you know, much younger or mm. younger at all, um, you're thinking, well, they really have all this experience. Maybe they're going to want my position. Mm. And it's the same thing. Women do the same thing. I know I don't really want to train her because she'll take over my job. The sure. best thing you could do is to be promoted out of your position. It's yeah, like you let absolutely. someone else take it. So, you know, you elevate them and it elevates you, but yeah. not everybody thinks like that. But I love, I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. You know, you hire to your opportunities not to your yeah. your weaknesses but you hire to your yeah, opportunities this this is this is a new position for me i'm leading a church um this year and um what what i found is i've had the opportunity to look at a large spectrum of people you know and i'm not necessarily uh, boxed in by one particular demographic and as a result i've gotten a a, a whole bunch of experience that i never expected you know, mm -hmm. one of my greatest assets has been uh, the older gentleman who ran a church himself for many, many years. So he has that life experience. And yet we've still had our moments. We've still had to work through our personality differences. We've had to, you know, I've had to work through my insecurities and feeling threatened by an older leader. But if you can be a secure leader and sort of navigate those things with maturity, the, the, positivity you get on the other side is the same. And I think it's the same with uh, hiring women or working with women. There's a whole bunch of skills that women have in the in leadership that men generally don't have or don't possess in as, as great a quality, um, you know, like empathy and, and like pastoral care. You know, my wife is excellent at that stuff. I'm more of a strategic person. And so I know that if it's people, I need to talk to her. If it's strategy, you know, I'm okay. But uh, where do you think that uh, when we're talking about uh, diversity in the workplace, uh, do you think there's a place for personality tests or, um, you know, the Myers-Briggs or the DISC assessments? Is there a place for that sort of thing? Can we hire out of those? Or is it going to come more from just eyeballing the person, just getting to know them as you go? Well, you don't always get a chance to do that. You know, yeah. you, you have 500 resumes that come in, you read through them and you skip yeah. all of these. And if somebody like you doesn't walk in and say, well, I can do this, yeah. <clears throat> they don't know. Um, I do think that a lot of the personality tests would be great. And I don't know if it always has to be before you hire somebody. Sometimes right. it's once you hire them to make sure they're in the right position Yeah. and to see like what they're, you know, how they fit in. We do an assessment um, called Think X. And mm. what it does is it changes the way that you think Okay. It, it shows like what's what's helping you as opposed to hindering you. And it tells you exactly which one of the, you know, 12 drivers that you have, um, it, what you need work on. Great. And it tells you exactly what you should be working on. And it's it, to me, it, it helps you decide who the person is in front of you and what their strengths are, where they should be. Let's move you more over here. Yeah. So I do think I think a lot of the tests are, are excellent. I just don't know if you have to do them in order to hire them or if yeah. it's okay to do it afterwards and just, you know, after you take a breath and say, okay, so let's make sure we're in the right, you know, mm. place there. Cause there are some times you have people in the wrong place yeah. in the wrong position. And that's, what's ruining your culture is that they're just in the wrong position. And when you move them where they're supposed to be, everything changes. It's like, you know, Good. the skies open up. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's good advice there. Because I, I know I've been to many job interviews where you have to do the psychometric testing before you get off of the position. And I've been disqualified, not because I was the least uh, capable, but because my psychometric testing came back uh, not fitting within their parameters. And 
so you and then they have sunk. all of the same person there you go yeah there you go and and you're sunk before you even get the position yeah. but yeah. No, that's that's great advice so uh what about industries uh that perhaps have a leaning towards uh, one particular gender. So I've come from the teaching profession and in the teaching profession, 80% of teachers are women. Uh, nursing is the same. Engineering tends to be heavily weighted towards men. And it doesn't seem to be that uh, those industries are necessarily discouraging the other gender. It just seems to be a proclivity of a particular gender. They tend towards those uh, traits. How do you how do you approach industries like that? Because uh, I've seen a lot of engineering fields saying, oh, we need to hire more women. But what if mm -hmm. there aren't more women that actually want to be engineers? Maybe they're just not interested in engineering. Uh, same with teaching. We need to hire more men. Well, what if there's not many men that actually want to work with young children? Uh, how do you navigate that while still being aware of gender equity and equal opportunity but is there a place where you can just accept that there may not be an equal representation in that industry well I, I think that that's always a you know that's always a possibility that there's not an equal representation but you said something about they're not discouraging the candidates but they're not encouraging either and there's a big difference between discouraging and encouraging. And it's not like you have to, you know, walk into an office and say, ooh, they, they want me because look at the wallpaper and look at the flowers. You know, it's not like mm. that. But there has to be something in the messaging, something right. in the, you know, whether it's the ad that they place or their marketing piece or something that shows that, you know, we're open to others other than ourselves. And that's mm. very difficult. I come from financial services. It is the number one relationship-driven industry in ever, ever. Sure. It's all based on relationships because it's you're talking about people's lives, people's money, okay? It's yeah. relationships. And yet, there's a lot of women that come in, but they can't get women to hear, right. okay? Because it's just, it's also known as the number one industry that has the worst um, results with women. Right. Because okay. they just, they, you know, they, they look at it and they say, yeah, you, you build relationships, but can you really, you know, take care of a team and can you build an agency? Or can you do that? Eh, you know, we don't really now nah, we're going to take one of these guys. So they don't really encourage you. They don't discourage you, but mm. they don't encourage you. And I think some of it has to do with, you know, what do you do when you're looking for those people? Okay. Um, years ago, I had to do a talk and it was for in front of 4,000 managing partners and part and uh, agency managers in the life insurance industry. And it was all about where to find women how do you find these women and you know when you tell when you tell a group of people that clearly don't want to hear it it's like falling on deaf ears you know it's like you tell a joke and it's like a total just didn't go anywhere mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is they all talk about it but that's where it ends there's a lot of talking same thing with engineering there's a lot of talking you have to do something so what you what do you do you go to colleges and you go in front of the engineering groups and you say, you know, we're looking to talk to women. You know, you go to the women in engineering. We're looking to talk to women to come to our company. You can go. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go to see people, whomever you're looking for. And it could be, you know, the gender. It could be the generation. It could be the demographic. It could be anything. You just have to go where they are and you have to invite them in. Now, it yeah. doesn't mean you invite, it doesn't mean like what we just said, you don't just hire people because they're that. Yeah. You have to make sure that they're hired for the right reason, because then then there's the backlash. Oh, you mm. hire because it's women or you hire yeah. because of this. But um, that's that's the problem. You, we're not looking in the right places and we're not messaging. We're not saying, I want you. Remember, the, the well, in the States, it used to be, you know, I don't know if it was we're looking for a few good men. Okay. It was the right. army or the, the Marines or the Navy or whoever, but we're looking for, mm. we want you, we want yeah. you. And they're pointing to that person. It's the same thing. You have to be clear on what your messaging is because yeah. you won't get, you won't get it. You won't get it. So I'm, I'm reminded of a, a job ad that was published by a local city council where I live and mm -hmm. they were advertising for garbage truck drivers and it was a women's only position because they wanted to equalize the equity in their garbage truck uh, driver fleet. Um, and there was, of course, a huge backlash because of it and saying, well, why would you, you know, 
why would you make it a women's only position? If you said it was a men's only position, there'd be a huge outcry over it. Right. Uh, what, what do you say to something like that? Uh, is it a good thing that they're making an attempt to give opportunity to women in that industry? Or is it, uh, does it just further reinforce stereotypes that oh, make I mean, it harder it's, for women? It does make it, I mean, it is a stereotype, but it's funny because yeah. it's like, okay, it's, but you're right. If they would have done it the other way, it would have been worse. It's the same thing. When I go and I talk about selling in a skirt, what do you think I get? Okay, I get, I don't wear a skirt. I, okay, this is only for women, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So when somebody brings me in and we talk about selling in a skirt, we always say, this is not for women only. We tell yeah. them right away, this yeah. is not for women only. So you just have to, you know, again, it's all about the messaging. I think that's very interesting that the garbage truck said, you know, for women only. Um, did they get people? Did they get women to show up? That's a good question. And perhaps they did. And perhaps they they were able to hire. I didn't actually follow the story much further. But, uh, yeah, I found it curious that, right. um, you know, um, that they were taking that approach, that they felt it was almost like that quota thing. We need to equalize everything. And so we're going to go for quotas everywhere. But I don't know that they were advertising for 50% female uh, counselors in the chamber. You know, uh, it's it seemed to be just like it, it was an interesting approach and I'm not sure whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. But it brought some um, exposure to them for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's it happens all the time. You know, people will say, well, I need this or I need this. There's a, one of the, the uh, colleagues that I have, he is in the auto industry and auto industry, same thing. There's no women, very few women. If there's a yeah. whole floor of salespeople, maybe one, if they're yeah. lucky, there's one. But he has um, different um, car dealerships that he works with. Mm. And half of them are women, not because they went out and looked for women, is because they started talking to people and women mm. came in and women, you know, women talk to women and they knew somebody had a job and whatever. But now right. his his whole automotive, the mechanics, 50% female. Wow. He's got one one uh, agent, uh, one uh, car dealership that is the whole um, service department are all women, yeah. all women. And he didn't advertise for women, but he just you just talk to people. It's the yeah. same thing. When I was when I was in insurance, I was the only female. When I started recruiting women started listening to me and they thought, oh, OK, so she was a single mom and she okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go in and talk to them. Yeah. So I never advertised for women, but I ended up with, it was almost 50, 50, which is unheard yeah. of, but it's all about the messaging again. And it's all about how you talk to people and it's how people listen to what you say. Mm. I never talked about, you know, you can make so much money. I never talked about that because women mm. don't care mm. about that. You yeah. know, they do, but they don't. I always talked about the, you know, the opportunities and why it was good because it was, there was flexibility. And I talked about all the things that as a woman, I would have looked for but it wasn't advertised for me. I, they, mm. they hired me because I checked a box. I know that, I know that, I heard that. But so I think it's, again, it's how you, you invite people in, how you encourage people to even take that first step through the door. That's what yeah. it is. So it's really what you're uh, describing here, especially with that, um, the car industry, the automotive industry is, is you've got to talk to people other than yourself. I mean, we right. have a, a tendency to gravitate towards people who look like us, sound like us, feel familiar. Uh, but when you start having conversations outside of our circles of comfort, that's when you encounter people who may well be just as interested in the job that you've got, but you would have never spoken to them had you not moved Correct. outside of your comfort zone. You know, it's that whole thing of, uh, I guess, like what I'm doing with my organization is uh, talking to people who are not uh, necessarily in my demographic and uh, trying to find people who have skills that I don't have. And right. that exposes me to a greater pool of uh, experience than I would have had if I'd just gone for people my own age and my own stage of life. Right. And even if you don't need them now, you might reach back, you know, next year and say, oh, I remember I talked to this person. Mm. I didn't need them now, then. But or you might be the person like the male champion that said that says to me and says, you know, Judy, I know you were looking for such and such. I met this person, but I didn't need them. But mm. you should talk to them. 
right. know, and that's how, that's how it starts to, you know, open up. And, and that's what we, that's what we look for all the time is how do you find the right people? And it's not always by an ad and it's not always by, you know, walking down the street. Sometimes it's by me calling you and saying, I, I need this, I need this particular um, position filled. Who do you know? And it's all about the relationships, about the things that we talk about. Like you and I haven't talked for years. And yeah. yet when, when you reached out, I was like, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to be with you because we have a relationship. We may not have had contact for a while, but mm. we started a relationship. And right. that's what it is. You, you can always reach back to the people that you need or the people that you look for. Yeah. That's such good advice, Judy, and I think it's uh, really helpful. Well, I'm hoping it's helpful for those that are listening of navigating uh, what can sometimes be a mindful minefield of uh, you know, hiring for diversity and working with uh, lots of different demographics. But I think it's just a great, a solid, solid advice there. Now, you've just recently written a book uh, called Walking on the Glass Floor. Did I get it right? You did. I, I love the title because I know, you know, it's, it's a pun on the uh, glass ceiling and mm -hmm. uh, talking about leadership once you've broken through that glass ceiling, what are some of the traits that are necessary to be able to lead in those sorts of positions? Now, your niche is helping women in leadership, but as mm -hmm. you've said, it's not just for women. Why don't you talk to us about this book and the seven essential skills for women who lead or perhaps men who want to empower women in leadership. Right. Right. And that's usually what happens. We usually get a lot of men that, you know, they may not want to be doing anything that we're doing, but they know women and they're married to women or they, they work with women or whatever. But I really believe that in order for you to be a great leader, you have to one, know your people and you have to be able to have other qualities other than the ones that, you know, we, we, we do take for granted, like integrity and honesty. And, you know, th those are solid things that you must have. But there's also the softer, the people skills that women bring to the table. There are plenty of men that have them as well, but we look at them and they say, well, these are, you know, these are, you know, the people skills, the softer skills. But think about it. If a, if a, if a leader is not courageous to do something that they wouldn't ordinarily have done, you know, you have to have courage. You have to be able to make a decision. So you have to be decisive. You have to have passion and be authentic. And my favorite of all of them is generous. You have to have generosity because as a leader, the number one thing you can give to your people is your time. It's your most valuable asset. And so if you're not generous with your time, why would anybody want to work with you? You know, that's a true leader when they, they give, not expecting anything in return, but they're able to give their time. And that's right. what is so amazing. And so some of the, the qualities people have, but they're not so sure if they're really leadership qualities. They are, honestly, they are, because we just need them. Communication. I mean, you know, there's nothing bigger than communication. So the book was written with a slant on, you need to have these skills. And if you're not fully aware of them, let's, let's dive into them. Because it really is a very self-reflective book. Um, most of the people that read it, they write all over the in the margins and they they tag it with with uh, post-it notes and and they come back to it and they go, okay, I got to read this one again. Yeah. And so we built a whole training program around it because of that, because people right. really wanted to go into it deeper than that. So it's pretty awesome. I'm happy. It sounds awesome. And I think I need to get myself a copy because I have a, a lot of uh, women who are aspiring leaders and want to develop. And one of the challenges that I have as a male leader is... Uh, not that I don't want to empower women. It's just sometimes I approach leadership differently to the way that women see leadership. And I mm -hmm. need to, as a man, understand what are the things that will help them? What are the things that I can help them in to actually uh, build their capacity as leaders? And so, you know, I want to get a copy of that book, Judy, and I recommend anybody that's listening, uh, whether you're a female leader or if you're a man that wants to empower women, Go and right. check it out because this is so important that we don't just treat uh, female leaders as the same as male leaders. They're not. They bring a whole suite of different skills to the table. And very often, I think, uh, as you very clearly put, it's not that uh, we don't want to empower them. It's just we've got to uh, give them opportunities that may be fit. I, I think there's a quote on your website that says that we, we, we don't want... Um, women don't want to be treated equal. Women want to be treated equally, equally not identically. Not identically. That's good. Right. That's good. Because I think that sums up what I'm trying to say very uh, badly <laughs> is, you know, uh, we, we want to be able to give them opportunities, but not make them into men. 
They, they don't right. have to be men to be effective leaders. And uh, that's, right. that's perhaps the misnomer that has uh, been promoted in leadership is that there are all these masculine characteristics that make you an effective leader, which may be true for a man, but they don't have to necessarily be true for women in leadership. And I think that that just sounds like a great book, Judy. So thank you for sharing that so with welcome. us. It's uh, look, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I think we could continue. And I, I think we might have to do a second part to this, Judy, because Works uh, for you've, me. you've got so much knowledge to drop. And uh, I know that everybody listening is just getting so much um, gold out of this. So thank you so much. But in, as we sort of wrap up our conversation, are there any parting uh, words of advice that you would have for women who are aspiring leaders or perhaps they're in leadership uh, and they're wanting to further themselves in leadership, what would you say to the women in leadership? Well, the, one of the biggest things I would say is you have to have a mentor. You must have a mentor. Don't go through this by yourself because there are so many things that you're going to miss yeah. because you're just trying to you know, do everything perfectly, which doesn't happen either. Mm. But a mentor is nothing more than a person that you can count on and a person that has had, had the experience that you're looking for. Great. And most people will ask, you know, like, how do you get a mentor? And I always say, just ask. And mm. you don't have to say, will you be my mentor? Just, you know, you find somebody that you admire mm. and you ask and you say something to them like, I love the way you're able to do X. Would you show me how to do that? So they're either going to say yes or no. If they say no, okay, it's no. But if they say yes, that's the beginning of a mentor-mentee relationship yeah. because they're willing to show you something. And I do believe that a lot of women don't have the ability to have a female mentor because there aren't that many. So 65% of all women that have been mentored become mentors. So find a great man. Find a great right. man that you respect that you can learn from, and then you become someone else's mentor. Your, your job, I always say our job as, as women is to empower other women, you know, yeah. bring them through the ranks. Because if I would have had a female mentor, my entire life would have been different, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and don't feel bad because there weren't any women. It's not like nobody wanted, there weren't any. Yeah. So when I became somewhat successful, I became a mentor, and then I became a mentor, and then I became a bigger mentor, and so on and so forth. And so when my mission is to help one woman a day, that's what it's about. It's yeah. about the fact that if you can help one woman a day exponentially, that's a lot of women. It is. It's right. a lot. So I if, I, if any advice I would say, get yourself a mentor. And if yeah. you are a mentor, find a mentee. And that's crucial for all leaders. And Absolutely. I think you're right. Uh, women find it harder to find female mentors. And mm -hmm. I was going to ask the question, but you've answered it. Is it okay for a woman to find a male mentor? Of course. And, you know, if there's somebody that's willing to empower women, then that's, you know, certainly a way to go. But um, mentoring other people so important. And I encourage mm -hmm. all my leaders to do the same. Find somebody to mentor because you actually learn more when you're mentoring somebody else Absolutely. than you do being mentored. So that's great advice. Now, what about for the male leaders out there that want to be better at empowering women in leadership? What's some advice that you can give to us? Well, again, you can be a mentor, but I would also mm. say find some opportunities that you can introduce someone to. And I don't mean it has it doesn't have to be a promotion. Maybe there's a networking event that you know that there are some great people that you should meet. Invite her. Or okay. maybe there is a course that you're taking that you think is incredible. In, tell her about it. Maybe it's a book. Do something that's going to further her, her growth. Because a lot of times, again, we don't necessarily have that person in our life, or we try to tell our spouse, our partners, what's going on. And it doesn't always click because maybe we're not in the same industry. So find something, you know, there's so many great books, recommend a book recommend a podcast. You know, now everybody's on Clubhouse. Go on to Clubhouse and say, oh, did you go into this room or something like that? But give give them something to grow with because that's all you want to do is you want to help them grow. And that shows that you really are being a champion. And that's right. what women are looking for. They're looking for somebody to champion them, somebody to advocate for them. So that's what I would say. Good. Good. I love it. Now I'm going to ask just one question out of that, which just piqued my uh, curiosity. Uh, I have found some, well, this is true of male leaders as well, but I've found some women in leadership who perhaps have a blind spot on their leadership. Um, and if you offer them like a book or advice on something, they see it as a man trying to 
tell them how to do it, you know, that whole mansplaining thing. And so they become quite resistant to the advice mm -hmm. because they don't necessarily recognize that it's a blind spot. Uh, how do we do it with, with a lot of the conversation now, there seems to be this, you know, you don't need a man to tell you how to do it, or you don't need a man to tell you what to do. And yet, you know, men who want to empower women may find themselves in a, a situation where their, their intentions are misconstrued. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. is, is there a way to approach that for men? And what would you say to women who perhaps find themselves in that situation? I, you know, I always say it's better to ask permission. And I don't mm -hmm. mean you have to say, do I have permission to give you a book? No, but you can mm -hmm. say, you know, I just read this great book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, blah, 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 blah. Here's the name mm -hmm. of it. You know, you should, this is an awesome book. Don't mm -hmm. say it would help you in your your journey or anything like that, because then we're like, eh, so he doesn't think I could do it by myself. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But I would say, I just read this great book or have you ever taken this class with so-and-so, or do you know about this master class? Oh my goodness. It was like the best thing. Just have a regular conversation. And if she says, you know, no, not interested. Like, okay, great. And just mm -hmm. leave it alone. But if she says, Oh, really tell me more. No, I always, I, there's always a book or something that you know, I want to recommend. And, you know, I always say, would you be open to a book if I gave mm -hmm. you a book? you know, something like that. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. A lot of times we male and female have blind spots. We do because we, do. we think that somebody's yeah. trying to either one up us or, you know, tell us what we really don't know or things like that. So I would just say, Hey, have you read this book? Like a lot of times if I'm doing an, an interview with somebody and they ask, they say something about like, how would you do this? I always say, okay, there's this book. It's my favorite book. You know, and I always say, well, you know, just go look at it, like go get it on Amazon if you want it. But the best part of this book is, and I'll just give them something. And then and next thing you know, the next time I talk to them, they're holding the book up. Hey, I got the book. It's awesome. Right. That's awesome. You know, so I just, you know, it's really a conversation. Cool. Don't make it seem like you are, you know, doubting their abilities because then it's kind of, yeah, I don't want to do that. Good. So it's all in the way that you present it. Yep. That's always great. is. Always. Really good. Really good. Judy, this has been so helpful. Yeah. And I just want to commend Judy to everybody that's listening or watching, you know, go and get Judy's book. We're going to um, link to her website where you can find it. But, you know, if you're a man wanting to empower women in leadership, it's going to be helpful. If you're a woman wanting to grow in your leadership, you know, Judy's just such a wealth of knowledge in this field. So go and get it. If people want to find you, Judy, or contact you, where should they go? So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on every social media platform, but I'm on LinkedIn, which is easy to message me if you want to and connect with me. And I really encourage you to connect with me because you never know who I know that you might want to yeah, know. Good. My website is selling in a skirt or walking on the glass floor, either one. I'm on both, um, but I'm all over social media, either at selling in a skirt or Judy Holberman. And so Great. connect with me, seriously, connect with me. It, it, it doesn't hurt. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. And look, I, I will say this, that when I first contacted Judy five years ago, I was a brand new to the leadership coaching space and she was just so welcoming and just so helpful and encouraging to me. And you. so, you know, if you need, need somebody to just bounce ideas off, you know, get in touch with Judy. She's awesome. She knows what she's talking about and I can't recommend her highly enough. Judy, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to talk to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Same here. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you got a ton of value out of that episode. Don't forget to let us know what you thought in the comments. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover next time, we'd love to hear from you. If you know anyone that would benefit from the content that we produce, please like and share this channel. And we look forward to having you next time on the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel. <laughs>